Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. Dr. Tiffany Tajiri is a licensed and board-certified clinical psychologist, published author, and creator of Rhythm Restoration. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. She is incredible. I had such an amazing time talking to her, getting to know her, and just gleaning from all of her wisdom. Let's meet Dr. Tiffany Tajiri. Amazing. Dr. Tiffany Tajiri is with us today. Welcome to Wild Confidence. Oh my gosh. It's such a blessing. I've seen everything that you've done on social media. I love your work and I love how you are bold and brazen to take on something that's new, but really needs to be heard. So it's an honor to be on your show, number one, and I'm just embracing it. I can't wait to have this conversation with you. Me too. I'm just, I'm so excited about your work and everything that you do. It's truly, truly incredible. And we were talking a little bit um, a second ago about the things to come. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like the things that you are doing are so needed and so important. And uh, I, I mean, I anointed, honestly, they're hundred percent anointed. So you and I um, both have been published by David C. Cook, which is what brought us together, which is really neat. I love that we have that common thread. So tell us about the book that you, um, you have out right now. Yeah, so it's called Peace After Combat, Healing the Spiritual and Psychological Wounds of War. And the forward is written by the Senior Enlisted Advisor to the Joint Chief of Staffs. Wow, it's such a mouthful. Retired, John Wayne Troxell. And what a last name, right? He's an amazing human being. It was such a blessing to have him on the forward. But, you know, the book was something that was born in my heart many, many years ago. So as a clinical psychologist who first was active duty, because I'm a veteran myself, I'm an Air Force vet. And um, what I did when I was in the Air Force was a psychologist. That was my role. And so I was sitting in front of so many people who had combat experiences. And my heart of hearts, I knew that God wanted restoration and healing for them. But they'd always ask me the question, where is God in war? And so mm-hmm. that was actually the original title of the book. Um, and we decided to soften it to some degree. But the, the bottom line up front is God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God's not the author of the bad things. He gave us free will so that we could have relationship. And in order to have relationship, we have love, right? The purpose of our creation. I'm, I'm a firm believer that we are neurobiologically wired to love and to be loved. And we can't have love without making choices and making decisions. We have to choose to love something or not. And so um, helping my service members understand that it wasn't God who was the author of the chaos and bringing them back to their faith after seeing the things that one, they may have done, others have done, and just horrible life experiences and traumatic events, understanding that God's on their side for restoration and healing. And so I like to think that the book is for everyone because it's not just the combat veteran or the veteran, it's for people who have just been through painful life experiences. You know, we go through the combat of spiritual warfare. Let's just be Mm -hmm. honest. So I think the book could even be retitled peace after peace after chaos, you know, because the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right. In John Mm -hmm. 10, 10, it states that, but the, the, uh, but God has come so that we can live an abundant life and have it more abundantly in everything that we do. And we're not meant to be tied down by the enemy. 
And so with all that being said, I wanted that truth to resound loud and clear, but I also wanted to bring a lens as a psychologist to help them understand how their incredible brain that God created, right, with all these electrical and chemical impulses, how it processes and digests experiences. Because when you learn who you are as a creation, then you can begin to harness your brain from a neuroplastic perspective so that you can wire your mind to Christ. Because in scripture, it says we have the mind of Christ. And that's what I want people to harness so that they can overcome negative life events. That is incredible. I love that you said that this really could be for anyone because while it does have, you know, it it sounds niche almost that after combat and, you know, I personally have not experienced combat in serving in any capacity in that way, but I was previously diagnosed with PTSD and there's some similarities whenever it comes to that specific thing that I think that your book can really speak to. And I love that you said it wasn't God who is the author of the chaos, because that feels true in everybody's life, you know, and and just like you said, even the chaos, the, the combat of spiritual warfare. Oh my gosh, that's huge. And I personally don't believe it's talked about enough. I talk about it all the time. I'm like, oh, you're in your healing process and your ex texted you. Yeah. That's spiritual warfare. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) obviously, (laughs) hello. I'm like you, the temptation, spiritual warfare, (laughs) you know, I'm like, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, what you're talking about is so crucial to the healing process through all of that. And I'm, I'm so excited about, um, your book and just all of your work, everything you do. So I was reading a little bit of, you know, those stats. And while this is kind of more focused on, um, military, I do think that it's important for us to know as civilians, I guess, is that what you would say? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. (laughs) Um, but that one U S combat veteran dies by suicide every hour and over 90% of our combat veterans profess a belief in God, but so many lose their faith after experiencing the horrors of war. Now, is that like, is it one of those things where, you know, it's like you're, you go into the situation and you're like, I know I've witnessed too much to believe that there is a God or how does faith get lost at war? You know, I think that people don't know the truth. I think there has been a population that states that God is a punisher, that Mm. God teaches us by harming us. And one of the Mm. things I always point out to those I teach and I instruct even patients is that God is a loving father. I say, would you, if you had a child, teach your child not to touch a hot stove by placing your child's hand on a hot stove? Absolutely not. So my algorithm is simple. If it's not love, it's not God. And so many people have thought, is God punishing me for the things that I've done in combat? Um, for the oh. things that I've seen, why have I seen these things? And why is it haunting me to this date? Is this a punishment for things that I have done in my past? Um, is it trying to teach me something? Am I trying to grow from this? Is God teaching me by showing me these horrors? And, and that's so wrong. God is not 
doing that. Evil people with free will are being jerks and doing terrible, terrible things in this world. Mm -hmm. God is not instructing them to do that. That is not our father. So the bottom line up front is really the truth shall set you free. And the truth is that God loves you. God's on your side, you know, especially in combat. Yea, as I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. His rod and staff brings me comfort. And in knowing that he loves you and that you are blessed with the eternal life, that it's more than this flesh, that it's the eternal life that we live thereafter. There is nothing truly, if you believe firmly and you have faith in that, that can shake your world you will know that there are bad things that not even Jesus, our Lord and Savior, was immune to the pain and suffering of the world. Yeah. What made us think that we would be? I mean, he took on the cross so that we could endure whatever comes our way and he would be on our side while we endured it. But so as long as people thought God was punishing them and so many mentalities do based on different denominations, not calling anyone out, but there are certain mindsets where people say God is teaching, God is punishing, God is trying to shape me and form me in a way that hurts me and causes me destruction and breaks me down. And I don't think I can endure this any longer. Mm. You know, why would you go to God for healing if you believe he's the one who's causing your pain? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. Why would you go to God for healing when you believe he's the one causing you pain? So we have to reframe our thinking and we have to put God in his rightful place as the great physician. Yeah. You know, I think I've created this form of therapy or, you know, maybe a treatment or just a way of reframing things called rhythm restoration. It -hmm. uses a lot of science behind it with the benefits of rhythm and bilateral stimulation and tapping and using both hemispheres of the brain. But the, the basic conduit of this is visualization because your brain doesn't know the difference between a real and an imagined experience. So what I have my service members do or anyone who's been through trauma is I have them visualize where God was in the midst of their pain and suffering, how God was the one who parted the Red Sea for them, who helped them turn their trials and tribulations into testimonies, right? How God made divine connections and brought great blessings that they couldn't see because when all you focus on is your pain, and suffering, you can't see how God is working in you and through you and moving on your behalf. Now, PTSD forms based on the narratives we create in our own minds, right? And so if our narratives are grounded in shame, not good enough, now that's what the enemy wants us to believe is that we're shameful and and there's no way God could love us or anyone could love us if they knew our truth. And, And in the context, there's two truths. It's God's truth and his love over you and your own personal truth of what you've experienced in your life. You have to align those two and make sense for them. So for example, there was this one story and I, and I can probably give you a good idea. This beautiful woman who was a Colonel and a surgeon, like one who operates as a doctor. And she went into combat. Um, she was one of the first, what they call a trauma czar in Afghanistan. And she saw so many people bleeding out and she didn't know what to do. And here's the reality. Physicians, surgeons were not taught in America on how to deal with blasts, right? People's right. blown up and shrapnel wounds and bleeding out and exploding, right? It, that's yeah. not something they experienced here in the United States. They work with gunshot wounds and stabbings and trauma of that nature. And so yeah. she was really learning how to do this as she went along, especially at the beginning of the war and all the IEDs that were being planted. And so she came to me saying, I give up. I'm not a good enough surgeon. I'm unworthy. I can't go on. I can't continue all I can see. Are their bodies bleeding out in front of me? Their last moments in life were them looking and staring at me. And I could just see their eyes like, 
I put, she projected in her own words that they were just looking at me saying, you're not good enough. You're a failure mm-hmm. as they passed. And so I said, oh my gosh, we need to rescript this for you. You have a horrific narrative. First, we got to understand that God's not the author of this. So in one of her visualizations I did with her, I said, I want you to visualize how God was with you, where he was with you. So she started visualizing, she closes her eyes and she engages in what we call butterfly tapping, like bilateral stimulation. And she just, Mm -hmm. we pray beforehand, of course. And then she sees this vision of God's arms around her as she's in surgery. Wow. She, she feels that his presence is there, that he's there surrounding her, protecting her and just pouring into her. And, and then she begins to recognize that the people who were on the table on the operating table, they weren't looking at her in their last moments. They were looking at Jesus who was behind her. Wow. Yes. And then other visualizations we did, I said, I want you to visualize one of the most important persons to you that you lost on that table. I want you to visualize them healed and made whole in heaven. What are they saying to you? Are they telling you to be stuck, to have pain, to, to have suffering? You know, in fact, one of the chapters in my book has the, um, if they could speak, if they mm-hmm. could, speak, right? Like what they would say from heaven to you um, after they were gone because they're healed and made whole, perfect in Christ. What would they say? They wouldn't want you having guilt or anything. And so when you start taking the memory, you pull it from the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain, this toxic memory, this poisonous memory that she had, the old version of it, right? We pulled it to the frontal lobe. We brought awareness to it. Then we started breaking the memory apart, basically all the way down to the basic proteins and the substrates. And when we start creating a new narrative for the memory, deconstructing the old one, we're actually breaking the physical form of the memory. So it no longer gets filed away in what we call the fear center of the brain, what I mentioned earlier the amygdala Mm -hmm. when it's processed and we extract the poison we bring god's peace love and healing to it the memory then becomes stored in the hippocampus which is the regular long-term memory and it no longer elicits those same triggers that same sense of hypervigilance or anxiety you know your brain has to rewire it has to rescript your old neural networks that were maladaptive become a super highway and they keep wiring and firing together but you have to sit be conscientious of it and break down those old new neural networks with a God-centric loving narrative to reframe your trauma. That is incredible. And this is called rhythm restoration. You said uh-huh. very cool. Cause I've done two different uh, types of therapy to help minimize PTSD and which I was diagnosed with, uh, I don't know, some odd years ago. And I did EMDR. So mm-hmm. that bilateral stimulation I talk about, I'm like, I did something like that. And then I also did something called restoring the foundations, which honestly, I don't even know where that originated and whatever, but it was very helpful. I don't even know how to explain it, but that was very helpful too. But how you're almost doing the bi, well, no, you are, you're doing that bilateral stimulation, which kind of is that, that science piece, but you're bringing in that faith piece that that really is, and not, it's not just numbing or desensitizing. It's truly healing. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is so incredible about, um, rhythm restoration is that you're, you're bringing God, you're asking where God was with you in that trauma, which is so foreign to so many people. They're like, there's no way he was there. So for you to be able to give people the opportunity to visualize him there, is incredibly, incredibly healing. That's just awesome. I love that so much. One of the things that I have been asked multiple times is how I am so confident. 
and <laughs> like y'all it's all jesus i'll tell you that but i did make a field guide for you if you do want practical steps on how to find your wild confidence that is available if you go to my website ainsleybritton.com and you click on field guides you can find it right there for 49 dollars, and you too can find your wild confidence so what even, we've mentioned PTSD a couple of times. What is that? For anyone who doesn't know what that is, what is PTSD and what are the symptoms? Yeah. So let's just break down the acronyms first off, right? It stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And some people like to call it just post-traumatic stress. They don't like to attach the word disorder to it. Um, it's going into a new wave now where we just call it PTS. So it doesn't okay. create a stigma. Um, I say PTSD still, but that's just some of more of the forward thinkers and I'm okay with that either way goes, but the bottom line here with PTSD or PTS is you're simply experiencing this sense of trepidation and anxiety. Um, Hypervigilance will be one of them. You feel guarded. You have intrusive memories of the experience. Your overall mood is depressed and anxious. You have difficulty sleeping. The intrusive memories tend to haunt you and create more anxiety. And the more you try to suppress them, the harder it gets. So the hallmark trait of PTSD is avoidance. We don't want to deal with it and we don't want to talk Mm. about it. But the reality with avoidance is that the more we avoid, the worse it gets. So I always use an analogy of the snowball. So imagine you've had a traumatic life experience and it's the size of a snowball. The first thing you need to do is take that snowball, though it's uncomfortable and cold, you need to take it and you've got to deal with it. So throw it against the wall so it breaks down and shatters into a bunch of pieces. But most of us don't even want to deal with the snowball. We want to act like it never existed. So we drop it back in the snow and we keep pushing it out of our mind, pushing it out of our mind. And it collects more snow, which eventually mm-hmm. the size of the base of a snowman. And then, you know, unfortunately for many of us, if we have a lot of traumas that are collecting together from our previous experiences, that little snowball can become an avalanche in our lives. We don't mm-hmm. deal with it as soon mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. And you said something earlier that it could be perceived as well as actual, the narrative that can lead to this PTSD. Is that what I heard correctly? Like it can be like what you actually 100% experience, but also the details that you may have perceived in your mind. Exactly. You know, painful events, you know, for example, seeing somebody bleed out over and over again, that's just a horrible thing. And if you attach a narrative to it that basically says, I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy, I caused that, I'm a bad Mm -hmm. doctor, that's going to make it a hundred times worse to heal. Um, You're still going to have to, your brain has automatic resilience to some degree, but you have to still process and digest what you saw. You know, the more you remove yourself from it and realize this is a body, this is a situation, God is present. There's more than this life than this flesh. I can visualize this person in heaven. You are softening the, the, the power of the very destructive, hurtful image. Now, let me tell you a story that came to me when I went on a run and I was asking God, how do I talk to my Christian brothers and sisters about why we need to process and, you know, dissect trauma and really make a conscious effort to heal. Everybody says, just because I believe in God should be enough. I should just be magically healed. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, there's miracle in the process of working through things, not just always. Mm, Yeah. But what came to me was thinking about Jesus, right? I I asked the Lord, what could be the most traumatic experience in all of time? And then it obviously came to me. And my answer was from him was 
my death on the cross. Could you imagine being Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary, one of the disciples sitting out there watching him crucified on the cross, taking his last breath and the way he was tortured and the way his flesh was destroyed. How traumatic is that? Now, I believe firmly that obviously Jesus rose because he he's proving that he is the truth, the way, and the life. That's a no-brainer. We know that. That's why he came back up in the person. But I strongly believe that he also revealed himself, healed and made whole in the flesh to bring a corrective emotional experience back to the disciples, back to Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Back to, you know, I always think when he went to go see Peter, who denied him three times, he asked Peter, how many times you, you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times to, to atone for that. And then Peter got to see him healed and made whole. Now, here's the reality. Peter had a traumatic experience with this. He may not have witnessed Jesus, but he knew exactly what transpired and what happened and had a tremendous amount of guilt. So I always say, you know, if Jesus didn't come back healed and made whole, do you think that Peter would have had a corrective emotional experience? No, he wouldn't probably have. Do you think he would have still remained a fisherman? Yeah. But now that he saw Jesus healed and made whole and had an opportunity to have a corrective emotional experience, he was now able to be a fisher of man, right? Mm -hmm. Bring gospel. And it's all about the psychological healing by seeing him healed and made whole that brought those individuals the, the, the strength to move forward. Mm-hmm. Dang, I'm literally like, my hand is going to fall off. I'm writing notes so fast <laughs> because there's, when you said that there's miracle and working through things, it's so true because I mean, even reading about the miracles, like the work, the process of the miracles, I'm thinking of the, the loaves and the fish. I'm like, man, the doubt that must've gone through people's minds that, I mean, the disciples' minds, it obviously says that there was doubt and like, there's no way. There's no way. And again, it's like just proving that our faith is so uncomprehensible. Like we truly cannot comprehend the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God. And, but we can try (laughs) and we can pursue him and we can try to, you know, do the things necessary for these corrective emotional experiences. I love that, that phrasing that you're saying, because it's not negating what the experience was. It's not belittling what the experience was. It's just correcting. And I think that that's really important because oftentimes whenever, you know, I work with young adults a lot, whenever they're expressing something, a lot of people just be like, oh no, you're, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it's very dismissive. It's very passive. And I think that this phrasing, the correction is what needs to be made, not the dismissal and all of that. So I really like that phrasing there that you said. And, um, and I really appreciate the science marrying the spirituality here. I think that that is really cool that that's really your focus. How did you even, I don't know, how do you hold on to that? How do you, how is that your thing kind of, how'd you get into that? You know, there's so much scripture that actually reinforces neuroscience, you know, um, comes to me, lamentations, Lord's mercies are made new every morning. And every morning we are gifted with a brand new set of baby neurons. I mean, there's just so much scripture that talks what? about my father is the gardener. Oh, I hope I can remember the scripture. My fa- uh, I, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He prunes every branch that does not bear fruit and every branch that bears fruit. He prunes it so it may be more fruitful. Oh my gosh, you may just need to go correct me on that one. I'm going to look it up right now. 
Yeah, yeah, John 15. Yep. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I love that. Okay. So from a neuroscience perspective, there's a thing that happens to our neurons called pruning. Synaptic branches exist and there's- Right. And so we have all the connections we make, especially when we think of wiring our minds to Christ, we create new branches, dendritic branches. And then pruning exists when God is helping us to refine us and we're creating new neural networks that are grounded in his love and his light. Right. And so we're, you know, we deconstructing the old ones and pruning them so they get better and we're cutting away the things that just are toxic in our lives. So I love it. There's so much scripture that reinforces that. There's more scripture that says, I put before you blessing or cursing life or death. So choose life so that you and your descendants may live. But there's such a topic in this world called epigenetics. And what we choose in our lives passes down to our offspring all the way down to the DNA. Mm-hmm. You may have heard something called transgen- transgenerational trauma. Yeah. We pass that down to our offspring now it doesn't mean they know our traumatic experience like they don't have the same experience or the memory in their head but they are predisposed if you haven't processed your trauma and you have pts they are predisposed to being hypervigilant, anxious depressive and fixating on negative things so truly it says in scripture what you choose goes all the way down to your the generations to come to your descendants and so there's so much that reinforces it And we need to talk about, I mean, truly the most miraculous power of healing comes from the Lord. It's, it's not any of the evidence-based practices I've learned. If I really want true healing, I'm going to incorporate the two. Okay. What you just said literally blew my mind. Um, so I, um, okay. So I recently, which my PTSD diagnosis was you know, a while back, I've done so much work to minimize um, the effects. And there was something that happened recently that really, really triggered me like for the first time in years. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And I have this mentor that, um, I helps me with spiritual gifts and really using them in the most God honoring and wise way. And the Lord was like, call her or message her, message her, ask her to pray, ask her to pray. And I was like, no, I'm not asking her to pray over this. This is, if I were to explain the situation, you would, it would sound so small and, it, but it really wasn't for me. And that's the enemy trying to minimize you so that you right. and become the force multiplier that you're meant to be. Exactly. So then I heard it three times from the Lord. I was like, okay, he's got to mean it. I don't know what he's doing. So I messaged her and I was like, Hey, can you pray? Da, da, da. And she was like, yeah, can I give you a call right now? Like I have a word. And I was like, yeah. And um, one of the things that she said was, okay, she, the phrase was like, you will not be overtaken, but, and you do have to process this pain because it has to be dealt with for the future. And I think like I was writing all this stuff down and I wrote down, this is generational. I heal. So Goldie doesn't have to, it's a generational freedom that's coming. So whenever you just said that, I was like, oh shoot. (laughs) Goosebumps worthy. And you know, there's such thing as, you know, generational curses too. You know, it can come from a genetic perspective, the, the generational curses, but also can come from a behavioral one. 
So hurting people hurt other people. Yeah. You have this mindset and you have the sense of needing to displace the hurt. And so you just continue through generations to manifest behaviors that are just super toxic and then that don't promote life and love. Yeah. God, this is incredible. Okay. So I'm thinking of like the people in our lives, you and I talked about prior to this, like peer to peer counseling and just kind of what that even looks like. And we may not be there yet necessarily, but how can we just simply support our friends and family members who may have experienced, you know, any kind of trauma or be dealing with PTS and like, what can we do? How can we help? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, seeking professional help is always good and, and it is important in finding a therapist or a counselor who aligns with your worldviews and your belief system and your faith will mm-hmm. be amazing for you. But I'm also a firm believer that you don't need to have a licensed therapist or a doctor um, to help heal through other people. For example, mm-hmm. support groups happen for a reason because mm-hmm. shared experiences help us to feel that we're not alone. It's a sense of universality and that in and of itself is healing. Um, I also believe that we are meant to be reflections of God. So I always say, if somebody's coming to you in a, a painful life experience, in fact, I train a lot of individuals at my church to be mentors, to be able to do these things. And you just listen, you pray before you go into this, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you first and foremost, you know, as you provide guidance and counsel and you can share stories of yourself. But the most important thing is to be a good listener, to reflect and sit where somebody is at emotionally in their space. They're inviting you in. It's a very vulnerable place. Don't be judgmental, right? Be kind, Mm -hmm. give them grace, but also give them some feedback of what you think Holy Spirit is leading you to. It's not Mm -hmm. meant to be punitive. It's meant to to help them to grow, to help them to feel heard and sharing the story, just somebody sharing the story and speaking it in a a form just really helps the brain process the trauma in and of itself because it's organizing the trauma as you're bringing it from the mid center of the brain to the frontal lobe. It's bringing a processing to it. So whatever you do, ask yourself, if I'm working with a person, how can I bring peace to them? What can I say that will produce peace and help them put out that fire without minimizing them? And I'm just thinking of think having that mindset in your everyday life, even if someone's not seeking counsel, just how can I bring peace today? How can yeah. I bring peace to my in my marriage? How can I bring peace in my raising my kids and or just my classmate or man, if we just had that <laughs> mindset in our day-to-day lives. Oh, That's the same that, as the what would Jesus do bracelets, right? True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I on my forehead. So everybody pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this training that you're talking about, you're doing it through your church right now. Okay. Awesome. And will it eventually be available for the masses? Absolutely. We're working to push rhythm restoration out to create an actual, another book, publish another couple books on how to work with individuals in this space without having to be a professional, but, and also understanding the psychology behind it. So again, bringing the worlds of spirituality and psychology together from a Christian perspective incredible okay so we're i want to i'm definitely going to keep up with you and i know that other people listening are like okay i'm gonna i need this like this is going to be amazing so where can we stay connected with you online 
Yeah, I have a social media presence. Um, it's at Dr. Tiffany Tajiri. It's spelled D-R Tiffany, like Tiffany and company. Tajiri <laughs> is the part that's a pain. So <laughs> let me break it down for you. It's for the military language out there. It's Tango Alpha Juliet India Romeo India. So it's T-A-J-I-R-I, Dr. Tiffany Tajiri. Um, that's my handle on social media. You can find me, just Google me on YouTube. I'm there as well, Facebook. But of course, I also have my own website. It's drtiffanytajiri.com. Don't mistake it for just Tiffany Tajiri. It's with the D-R in front of it. That's the website. And you can have access to what Rhythm Restoration is. I also have a nonprofit called Stand Up and Recover. And you'll see my book, Peace After Combat, and several of my interviews to include some interviews with Christian Broadcast Network. So it was just a huge blessing to be able to have that opportunity. Amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, I'm so excited to share this conversation and I just appreciate you so much. Thank you, Ainsley. You know, I just love your spirit and you are the salt of the earth and light of the world. Thank you for what you do. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you so you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is AinsleyBritton.com. See y'all later.